What's up, Arsenal Nation? It's your boys Adele and the Baker coming at you with another episode of Scarf Life. Uh, this one's probably uh, not 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 a fun one. Not a fun one. Adele, how you doing, man? Scarf Life, the downer. That's what we should call this one. If we, if we label them all. Deal. Man, the- I'm doing all right. I We have quite a few things to talk about. None of them positive. But I do want to remind us of something. Remember... And obviously, we're talking about San Jose just cleaning the field with us. Uh, What was it? Saturday? Sunday? Friday? I don't know. When the hell did we play? Monday. Um, Monday of this week, just a few days ago. Seems like it was much longer. That's That's how much I'm trying to get it out of my head and forget about it. Remember all those discussions we had just before the tournament started? And how many times have we used the phrase X Factor? unknown and those sorts of things yeah, i want to say quite a few times it, i'm not it, sure we're, we're obviously we, we'll talk a lot about what we're upset about there's plenty to be upset about but i think this is just one of those things where the x factor is caught up with us yeah i mean like i get i get what you're going for there and and there were a lot a lot of unknowns on this tournament um you know, first and foremost of how many teams are actually going to participate. And then, right. Yeah. Like that number was changing. What? A couple of days before the tournament. I mean, literally like day of, they were canceling games because of, you know, like FC Dallas and Nashville didn't participate at all. There was an entire group that they essentially had to, you know, disband and create a new group. Um, you know, Which I I'm, thought was better anyways, but anyways, right, we yeah. talk about that much. My initial prediction was that the group stages wouldn't even finish because of COVID. Like that that was my yes. first prediction, you know? Um, so I think, I think ultimately the silver lining is we did get to have a season's worth, not a season's worth, but we did get to have some soccer back in our lives. And, and maybe that is the silver lining to – to this whole story. But yeah, I mean, ultimately I think, um, RSL is probably, probably out in the phase of the tournament that they deserve to be out in, uh, crashed out in spectacular fashion. And a lot of RSL nation is really, I don't know, man, like I, you know, people are, people are really emotional right now. And, and, and maybe it, it's time for two idiots like you and myself to put some words to some of those feelings. Yeah. Because we're emotional as well. So let me just piggyback on something you said there because I think it's absolutely correct, absolutely right. We get to be emotional about our footy again. I mean, that alone, a couple of months ago, I wouldn't. I, I was not sure this was going to be happening this summer at all, right, this year at all. So it's. it was absolutely incredible to have the boys back. It was great to watch them play. It was great to – even that 7 a.m. on a Wednesday game, right, it was great to go to bed knowing it's game day, game day tomorrow. It is, it, you know, you're bought into something. You are flinching with every kick and every move and every shot and every save. And every time anyone gets Everton a little bit upset, you're like, ah, crap. <laughs> this is not going to end well today. Um, no, the whole thing, it was absolutely amazing to have back. And it, I, I do want to, I think I was, I was saying this before, because overall over the past few years, you and I, 
have been very critical of the MLS in many different facets, and they have deserved it. And so have a lot of other people. I, again, I, I want to express that I, this is the best continuation of a season, at least a kickoff to the continuation of the season, I hope, uh, that I've seen anywhere. So I think the MLS did the absolute right thing. It seems like they executed it the right way. Uh, it was just good to have everyone back and have them back. And then obviously with all that excitement, well, when the highs are high, the lows are low, right? So then we crashed and fell in our faces. Can I mention one other thing? You can mention whatever you want, man. It's your podcast. I, lo- I, <laughs> I love the ESPN broadcast way better than FS1. I hated that. Look, in Germany, and I think in some Italian games, and I think in England as well, they always did the, the fake noise filtering in thing. Right. And then FS1 did it too. Remember the games we watched on FS1? They all had that fake filtered noise. I know you could go on the app if you wanted and watch it without it, but I'm like, right. I have a TV in front of me. Um, I hated that filtered in noise. I, I didn't, I don't, I know I'm probably in the minority here because I've seen a lot of positive feedback on a lot of these, um, not on the MLS games, but in general. I am not a fan of the filtered in noise at all. I mean, it's about as fake as, I mean, it's 100% fake. Um, right. And I think uh, FS1, whatever the hell they did for this tournament, it was even worse. Like the cheers and the boos and whatever the hell else those people were doing made no sense. No sense at all. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't like it. I, I hated the filter, the noise. And you know what? At the end of the day, this year is hopefully a one-off. Let's remember it that way. You know? Yeah. It was yeah, nice for sure. to kind of hear the players yell and scream and, you know, the kicking of the ball and all that stuff. Anyways, that, that's my rant about FS1's coverage of it. I like the experience a lot better. I, I, I don't know. I could be remembering incorrectly, but I feel like the only game that I remember RSL not having the fil- the the you know the piped in noise like and just to be clear they're not piping it into the stadium like they're piping it into right. the broadcast as the announcers are announcing the game yep um the only one i remember that it not being there explicitly was the colorado game and just because the uh, the colorful language left an impression on me um so i think you know, I remember I remember that like pretty vividly, and then I don't remember thinking about it basically ever again after that, except for you know, like yeah, the booze and stuff were just really weirdly timed, and like you know, a ref would make a call, and it would be a very reasonable call, and it would just be like a boo suddenly thirty seconds later. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't even, I don't even remember it being a thing with RSL games, honestly. Now that you mentioned it, I don't remember it being in any of them. It was well. I noticed this because obviously there were other games we were watching as well. The uh, the FS1 always had it on there. Right. Anyways, should we talk about the game a little bit, or do you, should we let's talk about the game and maybe recap the tournament? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably worth discussing the, you know, doing a service to the teams that managed to get the job done, and then you know discussing that a little bit, and maybe mm-hmm. talking about what happens next. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately most of this episode is going to be dedicated to, I, I think just some observations you and I had and specifically in the 90 minutes plus that made up the San Jose uh, tire fire and just take it. From yeah. There. So that was a shit show. Excuse my French. So let me, let's, let's talk about the lineup real quick. Cause I know it, 
there were a couple of big surprises to me. There was one huge surprise and one I was like, I hoped he hadn't, he wouldn't do that. So, you know, McMath, Toya, Silva, Glad, Herrera, um, you know, as, as it's supposed to be. Right. Um, then you have Everton Louise, and we talked about this in the last podcast. You're going into a must-win game, literally. Win or go home. You must win this game. And you have a Kyle Beckerman on the bench. And he gets jumped over by Pablo Ruiz? I saw a couple of people positively comment Ruiz's play. I don't know what in the world they're talking about. I didn't see anything positive out of that kid. If anything, there were a couple of positive things at the very end. I mean, we were like down 4-2 by then. So he was okay. kind of looked like he was press, pushing uh, the action. And then up, you know, you have Baird, Krylak, Rushniak, given. Um, and then this one, this one didn't shock me, but I was hoping he would give uh, Johnson another try in this must-win game. And Martinez started again. Again, to Martinez's defense, did as well as he could with what was in front of him. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the Pablo Ruiz thing really irked me. I don't get it. Yeah, let's let's start with that one because I think this is the one where um, I, I don't know if you and I are in the minority and we're just because yeah, like you, I ended up you know turning that game off. I ended up being I think it was the type of thing where I didn't love Pablo's performance specifically against uh, the against SKC and specifically the second goal like he that was scored on so Mm -hmm. i ended up you know when you when somebody does something to gain your attention in a negative way it's the type of thing where maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you know i'm watching him to to fail and and like you you know I, i go on twitter and reddit and facebook and yeah i mean pablo is getting a ton of a ton of uh uh props a ton of positive attention uh, a lot of praise for playing well and and then you know being one of the silver linings of that game and like you i was really confused by that and so um you know i did a little research and you know i'm a i'm a stats guy so i go on who scored and i pull up pull up some stats and he did have some good defensive performances but i think where a lot of the praise that he is getting was coming from his passing and his forward moving, his offense. Um, and, and when I looked at it from that lens, I, I, I sort of got it. I, I, it. It made more sense to me. I was like, okay, I, I kind of get why this guy is getting the attention he's getting. Um, he almost played like a, like, a, like a secondary attacking midfielder almost, um, maybe taking on the role that Rushnak should have, or the Mir should have had. Um, and I think where, and I, you know, I'm not here to speak on your behalf, so correct me where, where you disagree, but I think where you and I are very critical of, and where I think a lot of my concern with Pablo Ruiz being a starting, uh, player is that he was supposed to be at least on paper, a defensive midfielder. He was paired up with Everton Luis to essentially be the, the defensive line before the CBs. And against the side like San Jose, he was specifically supposed to be the guy that was backing up our left back gap. So every time that Toya was getting beat one-on-one, 
in my mind, I'm going, where is Pablo Ruiz? Because if there's a Kyle Beckerman there, or if there's a Nick Beasler there, those one-on-one instances, there's a second man there to cover that space that, let's be honest, Toya didn't have his best performance. I think he, I think our lack of left back was, um, was very much exposed. But there should have been a second guy there. And the way RSL lines up and the way RSL's, you know, defensive organization is built up, that should have been Pablo Ruiz. Pablo Ruiz. And he wasn't there a lot, in my opinion. Some of that now goes into, well, you know, what's being asked of him by the coaching staff? You know, is, is he the right fit for that? Is, was, to me, that is where a lot of the issue is. The, the guy, I'll give him all the credit in the world, I, I think on offense and completing some of those passes and, and, you know, breaking up things further up the field, he was definitely there. But defensively, when we were just being, especially in that first half, when we were being uh, just totally exploited, so, in in my opinion, some of that fell to fell to Pablo Ruiz. Yeah, no, you, I I see what you're saying. You're saying he didn't cover the back line the way he should or the way you were expecting he was going to. And honestly, I don't. I've I'll, quite clearly I've tried to kind of put that game in a place in my brain where I cannot easily access it. So, but I don't recall a lot of his positive offensive stuff until the very end. I want to say he had his best five minutes were between like 85 and 90 or 90 and 95, at least offensively for, from what I was able to see. Now it's not just him, obviously he's going to get out there and, and play his game. I think what is making me scratch my head is there's also the opportunity loss of not playing Beasler or Kyle Beckerman. I would, if, if there's a ranking and you have a must win game, Nothing else changes. Everything else is the same. You have Beckerman, Beasler, Ruiz. Ruiz is number three choice for me out of those three. It just didn't. It just didn't make sense to me at all. Um, yeah, I think he left. He left his defense exposed too many times. Maybe he put too much on Everton to have to cover. Um, let's face it. We as a team didn't look good. So I'm not sure if that's all up to him or not. Because I remember you and I texting back and forth, and we can get into some of the other things, including substitutions. But our strategy basically seemed, well, let's complete three passes and then knock the ball up the field. Right. Like, I don't understand rugby too much. (laughs) But when I watch it, that's kind of what it seems like to me. It's like kick the ball around or throw it around in the back. Right. And then kick it upfield. And then see if someone gets to it. Right. That's it. That is what my what. So what, maybe it wasn't just him. Maybe the strategy itself was set up in a way that would allow San Jose to have the majority of the possession. Right. Um, but yeah, that one that was just a head scratcher for me. So so for for me, it, it's you know to I, I would I would agree with you. I think overall there was a total lack of I think imagination, a, a lack of creativity basically on that entire team. Um, but specifically, and to me, it was that I, I honestly think that that game was, was lost in the first half. Tactically, the goals just didn't come until the second half. Yeah. Um, so, so once again, I, I'm on who scored right now. Pablo Ruiz was probably one of our most clinical passers that entire game. 
the dude uh, had two shots. One of them was on goal. Like that's better than our attacking midfield the entire game. Keep in yeah, mind. That was, a, that was there between minute 90 and 95? Uh, it doesn't have the actual, but yeah, probably. But here, here is where my concern lies. So him and Everton, keep in mind, Everton played for all of 67 minutes. Mm-hmm. Everton, Luis, total tackles, one. Pablo Ruiz, two. All right, so Pablo's got him beat there. Interception, Everton, one. Pablo, zero. Clearances, Everton, three. Pablo, zero. Blocked shots, zero, zero. Fouls, Everton, one. Pablo, zero. There are key defensive metrics that I expect my defensive midfielder to hit, especially when our left back on his side keeps getting exposed, that he wasn't hitting. And that's where my frustration lies. Um, it's If he was an attacking midfielder or something, I think I would understand. But the way we are structured, our, you know, that, that initial 4-2, I, I feel like he didn't do his job. He did another yeah. job really well. I'll, I'll give him that right now. No, no problem admitting that. I feel like he didn't do his original job. It, it's he was hired to do a thing. He did he didn't do that well, but then he went out and he did another thing super well. And now we're not talking about the fact that he didn't do his original job. And, and you know, Freddie was singing his praises after afterwards as well. And I don't know, man. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It, it's maybe it's, maybe if you are, we both are. Freddie yeah. loves him. Freddie loves all of his um, monarchs guys, right? So. Added to, to top of everything else, meant to sub Kyle in. He took Everton out instead of Ruiz. Right. Maybe, maybe he, he, you know what happened really here? He told the ref Ruiz and the ref heard Ruiz. And uh, that's what happened. It was all a misunderstanding. Anyways, maybe enough about that kid. Um, again, I, I, w- I would have liked to have seen Kyle Beckham and start this game. Uh, I don't understand the Ruiz hype. But hey, good luck to the kid. Maybe we're both overseeing something, hopefully, and we have a bright future with this guy. Right. Um, still upset that uh, Martinez started over Sam Johnson. What do you think about Martinez's the performance? Well, he got his goal, which yeah. that was you know, a beautiful goal. Great goal. Nice uh, up, up for a goal of the week, actually, believe it or not. Oh, good. So we haven't had, to, haven't had the uh, problem of voting for one of those in a very long time. We <laughs> <laughs> need no, something man. to rally around. Yeah, it's out of all of our, you know, quote unquote forwards. He seems to be the only one that can score. Um, I I don't really know what Demir's role is, but I I think he's more midfielder than striker. So I'm not really counting Demir as a as a nine option. Um, for me, we I think we gave Sam Johnson a try. Right? It's like, hey, Sam, you know. You're maybe a little rusty. Go give it a go. Um, I didn't love what I saw from Sam when he had the opportunity to, you know, I, I, I was kind of hoping we'd see some of the old Sam Johnson. Um, I think Douglas Martinez just scored a goal. I don't know when our next game is going to be. Um, but if Douglas Martinez were to start again, I don't think I'd be too, too upset with that. You know, the, the kid goes out and he earns it. It's definitely the lesser of the two um, upsets I have. And we, we keep forgetting that we didn't have Nedim. Nedim in, this, in any of this. Nedim, is, Nedim played for Queen, Queen's, Park, Queen Parks, Queen's Park Rangers, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, he captained that side. 
so here's the reason I bring it up. I mean, that was a rhetorical question. I didn't ask it correctly. Um, I was watching a highlight not that long ago, but by not that long ago, I mean like within the past 48 hours about that uh, Man City final day of the season. Uh, remember that craziness? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, the and then Jaco gets Jaco the equalizer. Yep. 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 Um, he was so being traded like, to QPR like that season and he didn't want QPR to get relegated. And um, so anyways, um, <laughs> they, were, they were showing like extended highlights. Not extended highlights, but in a 10-minute period, back and forth, back. And the last 10 minutes in each game. And then the one team on the one side and the other team on the other side. And guess whose ugly mug is all up on that screen for Queen's Park Rangers defending all the, all the corner kicks? I mean, Our very own. Him. Yes, sir. <laughs> Our very own guy. Um, so that was kind of cool. I, I mean, I knew he played there. I did not, I did not realize he was involved in that game, right? Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. All right. So I just wanted to remind us also, he is missing. He's probably not even probably. He's our best defender, I would say, by far. Right. Um, maybe along with Louise uh, or Everton, Louise. Um, but uh, he's not a real defender. So it's not time to to light the trash can on fire just yet. Let's talk about the tournament overall just a little bit. And let me give you a, um, my two cents. The most disappointing thing for me in this tournament from RSL's perspective. It seemed like we played our best game first and then progressively got worse. Now, provided, and I'm sure you'll cover this because I think I've heard you say this, competition got stiffer. Sure. But we looked pretty damn good against Colorado. I mean, passes were connecting. Um, I remember us talking about the game afterwards. I remember us talking about the game during the game. Passes were connecting. Everything seemed to be flowing. Um, we looked good. And then we just progressively, and I don't mean slowly, we just tanked. The team that played on Monday against uh, – who did we play on Monday? San Jose. San Jose. I keep wanting to say Colorado. The team that played on Monday against San Jose – did not look like the team that played two weeks earlier against Colorado. It is disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I don't think you're wrong there. Like that, it, it's you know wins obviously always look better than losses, and that you know really is quite obvious. Like that probably didn't need to be said out loud by me. Um, but yeah, man, I I, I think you know freshness and novelty or like these guys are still human like oh hey it's our first week in you know orlando at this hotel like we're away from our family and you know everyone loves their family but sometimes you need a break and like it's new and we haven't played soccer in forever and we're really excited and everyone's really really you know trying versus hey it's our you know third or fourth week in this hotel like it's kind of gotten old i'm over the fact that i haven't seen my loved ones in you know, a month and change. Um, the heat and humidity are getting to me. Like I want to be surrounded by somebody who isn't my coworker. Like, you know, I, I think there's a human element that after a certain, after a certain period, I would imagine it gets old, uh, mm -hmm. you know, professional or not. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you, you alluded to it, the competition getting stiffer. Like I think we beat a overhyped, over-marketed Colorado side um, that had a bunch of 
very specialized skills, specifically um, set pieces and counterattacking. Um, and once you take that away, I think you actually ended up, and I think the rest of the tournament kind of exposed this, you ended up seeing a very weak tactical side. They had a ton of heart. Uh, and, and honestly, if it wasn't for Colorado, somebody I could actually see myself rooting for, but because it's Colorado, I hope they burn in Burgundy Hill. Um, you know, and, and then I think you see the Minnesota game, you see the SKC game where, you know, you're facing more complete teams that are a little more, I don't know, that are a little more flushed out both offensively and defensively. And I think for RSL specifically, it's the defense portion that hurts us because, you know, can't buy a goal to save our lives. And, you know, then I think you end up facing this, ultimately this San Jose side that I think was just better prepared, better organized, better coached. And I haven't, I haven't said this in a very long time about RSL, but just a better soccer team, like just more talented. Um, There are, there are games that RSL has lost where I've left Rio Tinto going. The better team didn't win today. Like, like individually, if, if you could quantify talent somehow, RSL was the better talented club. I can't say that about the San Jose game. Like we lost a ton of 50, 50 balls. We made poor choices. Our passing wasn't crisp. Like San Jose was objectively by any quantifiable measure of the game, a better team. They were better even in the first half when we left it one, one. Yeah. We, we were lucky that they had a mental lapse for that lasted all of, you know, two minutes that we could capitalize on. Not two minutes. Wasn't it like 25 seconds later? Yeah. Like literally the goal after the goal. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. Um, which then brings me to a larger question. What's Freddie doing? I've, I'm sure you have, as I have partaken at least monitored and in some cases partaken in conversations around Freddie and, and uh, you know, coach out mentality. Right. Uh, yeah. Our, our good friend, Igor had a very passionate post on one of the uh, Salt Lake till I die pages, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, you can go and read that, but I think it does make some good points, which is, it seems to be our go-to move is, everyone sucks and fired a coach. I mean, look again, we have the luxury to even have to, ha- to get to have that opinion or thought right now because sure. we get to watch the game. So that's awesome. And, and, a quick question, quick clarifying question. Um, when and, you say, and, uh, when you say uh, our mentality is to fire the coach, you, you, you're specifically talking about the fan base here. Fan base. Yes, of course. Right. right. So, yeah, yeah, and the fan base, the ownership doesn't fire quickly enough. Right. We have seen that over the years. So, what are your thoughts, man? Because I, 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 I understand where they're coming from. I also see someone like Atlanta. Yeah. yeah we, who, we, we called this out on the page. We did, yes. And to them, yes, they're a new team, but not, non-success is just not acceptable. Right now, you can't go if you keep going through coaches like you know, like their underwear. 
you will probably not have success. So I'm sure there's someone thinking about it. So you shouldn't just willy-nilly fire them. But a lot of people have brought up the fact that, including a lot of the analysts and the commentators on TV, but also a lot of the fans on all the pages that I've been following and reading, I mean, is Freddie the right guy? He obviously has a huge opportunity here. We have been critical of his substitution pattern since day one. Right. Um, he seems like the best guy. I, I told you, I used to play soccer against him. Um, indoor, futsal. Such a nice guy, man. Such a cool, calm, collected dude. So I'm not talking about him as a person. I'm sure his family loves him. Um, but... I mean, I'm looking at the product he's putting out on the field. And yes, we can argue we don't have the money of an Atlanta on LAFC. We can't be putting those kinds of names out there. But we did have the DP discussion as well, right? Is he putting out the kinds of players that will win us stuff? Or is he just putting, or is he actually, I don't know, he's putting out the kind of players that will be the future of this club and we will forever right. be mediocre. Yeah, I mean, so you, you, you were asking a lot of questions, and I think ultimately it boils down to, so, Freddie, you know, question mark. <laughs> um, which, you know, that, that, that's a conversation worth, worth having a lot, especially as we see what the rest of the season looks like. Um, so I did a little Monarchs history deep dive, right? Cause, cause Freddie gets a lot of this monarchs, you know, success kind of falls to him and uh, not here to criticize the guy. But I think if people actually go look at the monarchs rosters and those essentially that first year, um, we weren't really giving a lot of minutes to very young Academy guys. And Freddie wasn't really winning all that much with the Monarchs. Um, a oh, lot. No winning with the Monarchs, the first yeah. couple. No. A, a, and he, he wasn't even really, I mean, he became an assistant pretty quickly. He wasn't around with the Monarchs for all that long. Um, a lot of that Monarch success and, and a lot of those academy dudes and, and younger guys getting minutes and, and kind of, you know, building out youth a little, um, you know, that, that success belongs pretty squarely on, uh, you know, um, Olave and uh, uh, Coach Briggs, um, even Petke. I mean, I think Petke coached the Monarchs for all of thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's what, what you're what you're trying to say is that uh, people are inflating his record with the Monarchs a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and and that I don't know really where I was going with that, but I think that's a it, it's worth it's worth remembering. Um, not to discredit all of the work he's done, you know, with the academy. I think he's he's fantastic with with those you know really young players. Um, but but I think ultimately what I'm getting at is I I think Freddie might be kind of like a builder. You know, a, a tournament format was net, and this is something I think we called out like on the very first podcast back when we were discussing the actual tournament was that yeah. a tournament ter a tournament format was never going to do him any favors anyway. Like a win now at all costs and advance type of thing doesn't play to his strengths. 
Where that becomes a problem is every MLS regular season in a normal non-pandemic year ends in a tournament. So at some point, he's got to develop that skill set. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, I, a question I had to ask myself at the end of that game was, did I think that the current RSL roster was actually going to, you know, win that tournament? And, and I think if I'm going to be honest with me, it, it, it's no, no, they're not. And then the bigger kind of question is, do I think that RSL roster is capable of actually, you know, having regular season success, whether that be Supporter Shield or, you know, an MLS Cup? And, and I think if I'm going to be honest, the answer is no. And, and I'm not saying that to be like a downer and throw my hand in the ring and burn it all down. But I, I think we need to be realistic. I, I think the front office has had some personnel misses that I think are being more apparent as the season and the year are progressing. Um, you know, DP slots are, are kind of important and it seems that we've gotten at least two of them wrong. Um, maybe even that third one, like, I don't know. I, Albert Ruschnack was not a very effective player and that's a whole other topic now, but I think ultimately it comes down to is I think, I think Freddie did about as well as anyone could expect. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, like sometimes an organization can punch above its weight and capture lightning for lack of a better expression, but it, I, I don't think this was going to be it. I, I think, I think if we're going to be honest, RSL exited about at the place where a mid tier team exits, you know, you make it out of groups, you win a game like and they do, like they do just about every year in, in the playoffs anyway. Right. We're, we're, we're not the worst and, and, you know, we we're we can hang on our hat on that and we don't need radical change immediately, but we're also not going to actually, you know, win anything super important at the end of the day. And we got to make peace with that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I believe you're absolutely right. Or if we do, if we do, we are five, six years away from it. Maybe we do have these incredible Barcelona level players in their academy. And all we need to do is wait for them to come through so they can sign with Bayern or someone like that. So there is no, look, we won the cup in 09. We did. That was a fluke year. I mean, for us, we barely made the playoffs on on a prayer. I think most people even stopped praying at that because they're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Not even a miracle should get us in that right now. And But I don't think that happens again. I think the league, look, at that point, at those, those years, you had a couple of really good teams. I don't want to call them super teams, but yeah, you had a couple of really good teams. Everyone else was kind of where we were. There are too many good teams in the league right now, right? To have to to fluke your way through an entire playoff and then win the cup. Too many good teams. When you look at both LA teams, for example, even though Galaxy didn't do much, but you will you know them well. They're gonna reload in the off season after the season and come back stronger. For right? sure, um, LAFC. Look at Seattle and what they're doing. Now look at Toronto is not having the greatest of years, obviously, but you think they're going to sit back and let, you know, be victim to, uh, to suckiness, right. <laughs> for the lack of a better word here. No, they're not going to help Miami FC is already talking to, I was looking, reading an article today about, um, uh, David Sil Silva from, um, Man City is leaving. And that's one of the destinations he's looking at right now. Yeah, but, 
Aftermath. I know that's not even the point. Right. I mean, those guys have been talking to everybody and their mother since they formed as a club and they haven't signed okay, anything. Why don't Why don't we talk to those guys at least? Let's not at least try. Because you know if rumors out there that Silva might be joining Miami FC, that tells us the level of players they're looking at, right? That tells us what they're ready to pull the trigger on. And I'm sure I missed some teams. Even Columbus, even though they just got out, uh, has reloaded. NYCFC is going to reload continuously. Everybody, there are too many good teams out there right now. Right. You cannot fluke your way through. We, ha- we have to fluke, and I use the term fluke because it's not really a fluke, but it's... it's, it's you you it's can a- be a giant killer once. But then the next giant, you know, like I get what you're getting at. Like comes up in front of you and you have to play out of your mind just to make the playoffs every year. Right. Right. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's. That's the team that was exposed in this tournament. Right. For sure. And, and, you know, for, for as deep as we've claimed to be for as long as we've claimed to be, it, it, it doesn't, it didn't hold water. I, I think we saw that at left back. I think we see that you know, in our striker core. Um, I think we see that at attacking midfielder, if we're going to be honest. It, it's all, all in all what this San Jose game did, and I think what the tournament at large did. Like, I think, I think we need to remember, we won just a single game in this tournament. Like, it, it's, Four out of nine points. Right. We, we won one, we tied one, and then we lost two. That, that's not exactly a... A, a PPG ratio that that's points per game that'll get you above the playoff line. And if I'm not mistaken right now, we are below the playoff line. Um, but I think it's, it, it's what this tournament did was just expose some of these just systematic failures that we haven't addressed. And, and it's not to say that we can't address them. I, I think money fixes a lot of these problems. If we're going to be totally honest, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think after the San Jose game, I for the first time in a long time, I feel like reality slapped me in the face as an RSL fan. Yeah. And that's just not a great feeling. Dude, we're playing a conference where San Jose is suddenly good again. Like what the... <laughs> You know, right? What what is going on here? We don't even know what Dallas would have done. Dallas is always good when they come around. Now it's the, the tournament has exposed us for what we are and who we are right now. And I think we as RSL fans should recognize that that is a team we are supporting. Right? I'm not here for championships. I want them. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, that's the team that is going to be our team. We are never, ever, at least no time soon, going to compete with the LAFCs of the world. I don't think it would make sense for someone like the Delaware Hansen to invest the kind of money that it would take for us to get to those levels. Now, I think you did hit the, excuse me, nail on the head with the DPs. Our margin for error is tiny. So the front office needs to make the most out of the money, especially those DP spots. You, we cannot afford to have people on DP salaries and they don't play or they don't play well. We cannot. LAFC can, but we cannot. I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure how you get more money into the team because you know what happens at the, on the flip side? We complain about $9 beers. 
Right. right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm almost happy in the fact that I will never be, you know, let, let's say some miracle turnaround 2020 season ends RSL is the champion. I'm going to enjoy that for like maybe that one day, but then the very next day it's like, okay, well, you know, now there's 29 teams who are trying to upset the status quo. Like, what are we doing? You know, like, like we will never be happy. And, and I think as fans, it's our job to never be happy. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is the role to continuously seek improvement. And I think that comes from a fan base. Um, yeah. you, you know, you, and that's okay. Yeah. I, I would go so far as to say that it's, it's a responsibility as a fan is, is to yep. seek the maximum reward for your dollar. Um, by the way, everyone should understand and hopefully understands because why the hell wouldn't they criticizing the team and its players? Again, it's a responsibility. Right. We criticize them all the time. I, I hate when people go at each other's necks because, well, you're not a true fan because you're talking crap on this and this. No, you're not. A, go support another team. Like, and that's, I don't get that. Like, right. You know, you don't like your kid. Go get another kid. Like, it doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, anyways, it's a lot. All right. Yeah, uh, and talk about the rest of the tourney a bit. I have one more thing about RSL that I want to talk to you about. Ah. I think I spoke of this man very highly for a very long time, but I think this game exposed a little bit why Zach McMath, you know, yeah. keeps losing his starting position essentially everywhere he goes. Um, by no means am I here to imply that. You know, he didn't stand on his head for us at times. Um, he, you know, I think he had some re really good games. Uh, this wasn't one of them. Um, you know, I, I think there's some consistency that our cell nation has, uh, has gotten used to in that position specifically that, you know, mm -hmm. it, it looks like Zach McMath is going to have about one atrocious game every five games or so. Um, and we're, that's something we'll just have to, you know, either fix or get used to. Yeah. Um, remember we had this discussion before. We knew this was not going to be a good season for us. We talked about this just after the last one ended. And we were asking questions like, uh, what's that kid's name from, from the Monarchs, the goalie? Ochoa. Yes, Ochoa. Why not use a year like this? And just, I mean, this is before we knew all the you know craziness of the year was going to happen. Right. Why not use a year like this? Just throw them out there. Not like we're going anywhere anyways. And, you know, see what the kid's made of. And invest the year in seeing whether you have an absolute rock-solid goalkeeper for many years to come. And worst-case scenario, he's just one of the bad players on a bad team in, in that year. Uh, we obviously didn't go that route. But, yeah, I agree. We, we, uh, we were... I mean, that one that went under him, come on. Um, we, we got used to a level of consistency. But, hey, good guy. He also had some good saves, I think. Not he did. just in a specific game, but he, he had some pretty good performances this, this tournament. Right. Um, just so happens, seems like everyone had their best performance against Colorado, and they all went downhill from there. But um, For sure. And, and I think, just to be explicitly clear, that scoreline is not his fault. Like... If, if there right. is a that direct of a shot on goal, um, it means 10 other guys also didn't do their job. You know, 10 other yeah, guys yeah, got yeah. beat. We already agreed this score line is the fault of Pablo Ruiz. 
Right. It, 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 team effort on that one, I think. Um, and then Wando scoring the most Wando goal ever. Uh, like that, you know. Um, it, it was just a perfect storm. I, even the officiating was just bad enough and just inconsistent enough, I think, to hurt us. Um, Kyle Beckerman, A, getting subbed at that point in the game didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then him getting his red card was, you know, the mo- I, I hope that's not the last we've seen of Kyle Beckerman. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a weird, bad. Both red cards game. were red cards, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't argue either one of those. Um, yeah. So do we know? Uh, so real quick, because we're gonna we're gonna go way long here. Uh, the rest of the tournament. Did you watch the rest of the tournament? And I would love to talk to you about what, what we know about what's next. Seems to be a lot of confusion out there. Yeah. So I mean, rest of the tournament is eight teams left. Um, so we have tomorrow, Philadelphia and SKC are playing each other. Um, then on the thirty-first, Orlando versus LAFC, and then. On August 1st, if this uh, bracket is to be believed, we've got ourselves a double header, uh, mm-hmm. San Jose facing Minnesota and NYCFC facing Portland. Um, That's what MLS is showing as well. Um, two shootouts last night. Columbus is out against Minnesota. That was weird. And then Portland and Cincinnati also went to, the, to a shootout last night. Yeah, there's some. there are some traditional powerhouse teams that you know aren't advancing and and it's wild it it, you know i my bracket is about as wrong as a bracket could possibly be yeah that's why i didn't even fill mine out too many x factors did you see lafc destroy seattle yeah yeah that i mean i think at this point it's safe to say that it's their tournament to lose and let's keep in mind that they don't have their best player with them right now and i'd go so far as to say that they don't have the league's best player with the team right now. They're the biggest favorites. Oh, actually, no. Well, so Orlando, LAFC. Orlando is a plus 270 if you bet on them. LAFC minus 121. And then Philly is plus 280 against SKC. So it looks like SKC and LAFC are definitely, well, should be moving on here. Also, SKC wasn't supposed to go to the penalties with uh, – Vancouver, but right. Uh, anyway, so this play, this tournament plays out. Uh, final is on August eleventh. Yeah, it'll be it'll be over pretty shortly here. What's next? So there's some some stuff leaking on Twitter. Um, it looks like uh, roughly two weeks after the MLS is back final, we are going to get a regular season. Um, 18 games, nine home, nine away. I think they're still trying to figure out what if that's with fans, without fans. Um, I think for, you know, for Real Salt Lake and then uh, for the riot, just based off of the turnout we've seen for, you know, some of those uh, Monarchs games, it's, it's very likely that it'll be, you know, a closed stadium. But yeah, uh, there is essentially a 18-game, you know, regular season that is going to be uh, attached to the five games that everyone should have played thus far. Two back in March, three in the group phases. Um, obviously, FC Dallas and uh, uh, Nashville will be 
having makeup games since they didn't participate in any group games. Um, but yeah, and then we'll be entering a, a postseason. So if those two teams are both sick, why not just have them play each other? I, I actually think they, there are talks of they might. They might be playing one another for those makeup games at least. They, they will get very familiar with each other. Yeah, I mean, also if you're FC Dallas, you're going kachink, you know, nine points. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, y- yeah, it, it it's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of conversations going on about what that looks like. Um, I think if a supporter's shield gets uh, awarded this year, I will, you know, protest because <laughs> that seems, I mean, I think the supporter shield is becoming more and more irrelevant as, you know, schedules are uneven and teams don't even face every other team in the league anymore, let alone the same frequency. But I think this year they should really just suspend the supporter shield and, and not give that to anybody. I mean, they, they, they gave away the CONCACAF spot to the winner of this tournament, right? So right. you don't even have to. But then again, you don't have the U.S. Open Cup. I'm assuming the CONCACAF is still planning on the Champions League next year. So you do, you do have to find those representatives somehow. But that's yeah, and I- you just, you know, if you need more bodies or more teams, just go down the list of who's finishing. You have a third-place game. Right. I always thought it was opportunity loss for a third-place game to not take place. Not in the tournament, but I mean MLS. So a pre-MLS Cup final, why not have a third-place game the day before or something? Um, but you have to have something on the line. They just have nothing to put on the line, right? Right. Yeah, it, it, it's um, – there are – a, a lot of unknowns given, you know, Champions League and, and just what that's going to even look like. It, it, it's, I think there's still trying to figure out, you know, what it, that's going to look like in all practicality. But yeah, we can expect a semi-regular season once MLS is back, if, if uh, the internet internets is to be believed. Well, the internet is always correct. Uh, I'm pretty sure Benjamin Franklin said that once. So what we're basically looking at is, late August, pretty late August, again, from the rumor mill, uh, a shorter rest of the season startup. So you said 18 minus the five they've played or 18 plus the five? 18 plus the five they've already played. So that would be a 23 uh, game regular season. So it's basically just a longer tournament in this case. Um, It it almost, in a way, it could benefit a team like us, but let's see what this team looks like. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's also worth remembering that this is, it's major league soccer. Like it's also the top league in Canada. So um, if you're Orlando or if you're Montreal, Vancouver and Toronto, you know, travel between the United States and Canada right now isn't exactly. Well, I thought Canada closed off all sporting events, so they would have to find a different home to play it. Oh yes, yeah. I I didn't even know that, but yeah. So so you know, uh, baseball, the the Toronto Blue Jays, I think, hmm. um, they uh, they did not get approval to play, so they were looking, to, they were looking for a place to play. Right. So so you know maybe the Canadian teams have like a second host city somewhere in the United States, and then you know how much does that actually mean for quote unquote home field advantage? And yeah, yeah. Well. It's gonna be. It's gonna continue to be interesting. I think we we will be back next week, just to see if anything happens between this week and next. 
in a rumor mill. See what the because I'm assuming by next week we should we should start having a much better idea around what the continuation of the league should look like, right? Because they can't they can't tell these teams with a week's notice what they need to do um, or what, how to plan for their games and whatnot. Also, here's my other prediction. I think they're going to open up the Rio Tinto Stadium for fans. I think it's a really, really bad idea, but I think it's going to happen. I'm not sure what kind of restrictions they will put on, but the Monarchs were not attended poorly because of anything else other than it's the Monarchs. They get like a thousand people a game anyways. Yeah, I mean... I think there's some of that definitely to it as well. Um, you know, the Monarchs games aren't exactly, you know, tens of thousands of people anyway, but I think even by Monarchs numbers, this was a mud, you know, they've had much smaller turnout, but yeah. Um, it is the type of thing that n- no decision would be, would surprise me at this point. Yeah, agreed. All right, man. <clears throat> Anything else you want to discuss before we, call this here podcast uh just a little little quick one we had a we had our first you know kind of interesting rumor hit the you know hit the radar as they say um a uh, a german a german striker coming out of uh the uh, bundesliga zwei the second bundesliga um i'm trying to find like the actual story here that yeah, looks like Zlatan. Yeah, man, Manuel Schaffler or whatever. Um, probably not a whole lot to that one. It, you know, but but I think it was it was interesting enough that I'm like I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna throw this up on the page, um, just because I think you know as as the transfer window opens up, I think you know if RSL is serious about improving, I, I think there's a couple places that are pretty obvious to everyone with eyes and ears where improvement needs to happen. And that's in our ability to score goals. Um, so I, I thought that was just kind of an interesting, interesting little tidbit. And I'm, I'm curious to see what, what news comes our way in the next two to three weeks. I'm predicting, I'm not sure if it's two or three weeks. I'm predicting between now and season 2021, whatever that season is going to look like. I have, I think it's going to look probably normal. We might be back at the right next year. I'm predicting a lot of movement. You have to remember, we have a brand new front office. And they are going to they're gonna feel the pressure as well. In addition to that, the markets are probably pretty volatile right now. Right? So that there should be a lot of opportunity out there. I think we're going to see a lot of movement. I don't think we're going to see it between now and the end of this calendar year, but I, by, by next season. Also, wouldn't shock me if we do see some movement now as a projection of what's going to happen next year so yeah so interesting the the secondary transfer window which is our summer transfer window essentially um will be running from august 12th through the end of october um so so yeah no i i think if nothing else i'm hoping we take this opportunity to maybe offload some players that clearly aren't a right fit and you know no point in paying a guy if you're not going to use them. Um, right. Yeah, man. It, it's, I, I think, I think if you're an RSL fan, it, it's time to strap in. And I don't know, man, maybe, maybe this is just a five, two talk in and we'll bounce back and this will all be a distant memory. But for the time being, it kind of feels like it's strap in time and 
you know, we've got a, we've got a bumpy road ahead of us. I agree, but that's fun. That's part of the fun, right? You just have to start to enjoy losing. All right. RSL nation. It's been pleasure. It's been fun. Welcome back. We'll be back with you next week and give you all sorts of good information again. Good night. Adios.